Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Veterinary Optimist. You are here for part two of Servant Leadership. We are here today with Dr. Holly Garcia, who is a doctor of philosophy and leadership studies. If you have not listened to the first part of this two-part series, please pause right now, go back, listen to part one, and then come back to this one. We really took time to focus on the first four attributes or characteristics of servant servant leadership. Those four were courage, risk-taking, courage slash risk-taking, stewardship, empowerment, and standing back. We ended the conversation last time on standing back and part of standing back that that Holly was describing is being able to recognize when your team has done a great job, like you've stood back, you've allowed them to do this job, they've done a great job, and then you celebrate them. We talk about the eight characteristics. Which one are we starting off with right now? So next, I would say we just, you gave the great background about um, standing back and what we were talking about that. Um, I'd go into humility. And the reason for that was standing back. Um, and like we mentioned, we talked about that in the previous podcast. Um, you have when they accomplish when your team accomplishes something and they succeed as a leader we really need to stand back and allow them to accept that recognition and get all the recognition and for their accomplishments um and being able to be humble and allowing them to take all the feedback even if you had a decision in there even if you did something within there um as a servant leader you stand back and allow them that which leads into humility which is the fifth characteristic. So humility is the ability to put one's own accomplishments and talents in proper perspective. So the way I show my humility is by being self-aware of my personal opportunities, the things that I just don't know, and being humble enough to be able to say, hey, this is something I don't know. Teach me, show me, um, can you teach me how to do this? And really opening and sharing that vulnerability with my team. So it's not something you should be embarrassed about, right? No, no, absolutely not. It's very, it's being humble and understanding that I don't know this. I didn't go to school for this. I didn't learn this. You're an expert at this. Teach me, show me. And just being open and honest, knowing your own um, talents and being able to put those in perspective. I think that one, humility is so vital. Because I think in my mind, being able to practice that separates true leadership from management. And I'll dive into a little bit more what I mean with that. But I also believe, Holly, we have such a gap right now with us understanding the younger generations, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that specifically in vet med, and I know that it's probably in other professions, but right now we're having a hard time getting on the level of Gen Z, right? And I remember mm-hmm. being a millennial and hearing like, oh, those millennials, they don't know how to work hard and they don't know how to do this. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm like outer cusp millennial. So you're technically talking about me, right? But I think some of that is just not understanding what they can really bring to the table, right? And and mm-hmm. this maybe even brings in some of the super tech syndrome and the empowerment that we were talking right. about because we don't know everything. And part of having team a team is so that you can get a diverse feedback 
and know that there are other people with other strengths. Another way to show humility as a leader is to being open to that feedback and not, and it goes with that, that kind of same mentality you're talking about. So being open to feedback and knowing that it's not always going to be good. Um, One of the things I do in my one-on-ones with my team members, I'll ask them if we have some free time, I'll say, Hey, um, just some feedback for me. Is there anything you would like me to start, stop, continue, anything working for you, anything not? Um, This is a great opportunity to let me know. Um, Even if it's something as simple as you don't like my good morning song in the morning when I walk in and sing good morning to everybody. If you don't like that, just let me know and I'll be happy to use a different tone. Um, But it, it just opens that conversation to hear more about what's going on. And but you have to be humble enough to accept it um, and really grasp the feedback. I, I think that comes out, of course, with time, right? Um, your team member is not going to come out right away sometimes and tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but over time with trust and all of these characteristics are building trust with your employee. So over time, you will get to that that time or that place with your team member. I love that you rephrased it like that because um, I don't, maybe I wasn't on the right. Well, you know what? I do believe that, that some of our generational bias that we struggle with is because we are not humble enough to say that we don't know everything. And I believe one of the things in vet med that hurts us the most is the statement. This is how we've always done it. Mm, And, and So I believe that some of that does intertwine here, but I love that you took it a step further and brought in the start, stop, continue. Opening that door and allowing them uh, to share that with you. So maybe I don't know that I have a really bad voice, which I actually do know I have a really bad singing voice. (laughs) So maybe my singing voice in the morning saying good morning to everybody. Um, Maybe I don't know how bad it really does sound on their ears. And I need them to tell me through a start, stop, or continue. And that's just a a silly example. But it kind of, you get the idea. If there's something that's not working for you, um, I don't know. So I need you to tell me and teach me how to be a better leader with you and teach me what works for you. And a better way to show up. I love that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make a special plug for myself on this. I'm a phenomenal singer. (laughs) Uh, My partner would say that I was maybe like a, songbird i'm not mm. i think i just think that that's maybe the statement she would use next podcast we'll have yeah. to we'll have next a sing-off. podcast yeah, yeah. okay yeah so that, <laughs> and like well we won't we won't tell her that i said this on the episode that she thinks i'm i'm like a songbird but i know that's the word she uses so i think i seem seem very thing very professional and with my good mornings in the morning yeah. it's yeah. like a well-trained <laughs> yes I love that. I love this thought of the humility that goes along with it. And I love the, the thought process behind, if you can dish it out, you better be able to take it. And, and Mm -hmm, it kind of, kind of goes back to that full circle of empowering them to be able to say these things and like standing back whenever someone's voice needs to be heard and they actually know a little bit more than you do on the subject. And and courage. Yeah. And the courage to mm-hmm. like, just be that human. So yeah, I love, I love that thought process. Okay. I see the thread going through all of them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm curious how it's going to work into this next one though, because if I'm not mistaken, we're jumping right into authenticity. Authenticity. Yep. 
That's correct. So authenticity is expressing oneself in a way that is consistent with your inner thoughts and feelings, knowing who you are as both a leader and a person and really being comfortable with that in both roles. roles. When you talk about authenticity as a leader, like how does that show up for you in your organization and in, 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 in your team? Yeah. So taking it back to my team, the way I show my authenticity is really in the way I appreciate my team members. So there is, well, first of all, I try to make a habit to openly appreciate my team in a genuine and meaningful way. Um, And it takes really a lot of practice. It's really easy to say, hey, great job with that meeting or good job. Um, That's really easy. And anybody can do that. But really stopping and thinking of a meaningful way, something that means and calling out specific things such as I can think of one of my team members last week really took it up a notch and really impressed me. And I had to stop and pull her aside and tell her that was a great job. I'm impressed with how you address those difficult questions. Went into a little bit more detail about the specifics, but, you know, I was able to tell her like those difficult questions, the way you handle them were amazing you offered effective challenge to the pushback you experienced. You offered a comparable solution. Your tone, your tempo were perfect. The display of confidence. Um, so it's really going into specifics about that. And that's how I see the authenticity coming out. That's how I see my authenticity and really showing them that I'm paying attention and, and being genuine. I really want to be genuine with them. And it's not just a, hey, high five, good job. It's really stopping to show them um, when you did X, Y, and Z, just wow. Wow. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. When you think about, when I think about like my authentic self that shows up, I like to elevate people. I like to hype people mm-hmm. up. I like to make sure that people know just how valuable they are. And so that is definitely a, authentic style of mine that I like to really focus on and, and, and really utilize all the time. And I don't do it. Like, I'm not the type that's just going to pump you up for no reason. Like I, I will specifically call out reasons why you should be proud of what you're Mm -hmm. doing and why. So I like that you bring that, bring that back into. And I also believe that, you know, when we talk about our teams and how to make them the strongest, and people showing up as their authentic self, like that really does dig in deeper to me with having a diverse team and allowing that diverse team to be exactly who they are, whether mm-hmm. whether it is a queer woman or a woman of color or, or whatever that may be, mm-hmm. right? Like there are aspects about these people's walks in life that we know nothing about and that will yeah. do nothing but strengthen our team, especially if we allow them to show up as that person and give us the knowledge that they've received just from them being who they are. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Yeah. Authenticity shows up in so many different ways and so many different perspectives and experiences that we've all gone through. It's important. It's we've important. Been on, we've been on uh, authenticity for a few minutes. What is the, what is the, what is the seventh one that we're, that we're talking about when we talk about characteristics of a servant leader? So the next one is going to be accountability and accountability is holding people responsible for what they can control as well as yourself, holding oneself responsible for your own actions and decisions. 
With accountability, um, it's really built on expectations. So it starts with being clear about what your expectations are, the why behind it. And when people feel accountable for their own actions, they tend to take ownership of them. So for me, for accountability, how that shows up in my job or as my, as, for me as a servant leader, um, once expectations are defined with my team, it's really important to hold them accountable for meeting their performance goals. And at times, um, it can lead to difficult conversations. So there, it opens the door for difficult conversations because you're talking about vulnerable things such as performance and how they're performing with their goals. And although difficult conversations can be very awkward and just like the name difficult is in, um, I actually love the outcomes of these conversations. I don't want to say I love the difficult conversation, but I love the outcome of the difficult conversation. Many avoid these conversations um, and the issue kind of just festers within people. And the reason I, I like these and the outcome of it is because it's really building that trust. And if you avoid it and ignore it, it actually will start affecting the team. Um, so without even knowing it, it may affect the team and then turn into a larger issue. Um, a team can move from a high performing team to actually a storming team because of this lack of discussion. And if the conversations are um, done right, it can build trust with the employee or with the team members. Mm, OK, so I've got two examples here. One of them is a personal example, uh, which you actually know about. So. <laughs> Uh, but the other example, we'll, we'll get into that one in just a second. I, again, I'm going to go back to Dr. Earl on this one. I interviewed a doctor who has a culture first atmosphere at his practice and the way that he does things I really admire because it speaks loudly to how I believe things should be done. And part of this was that he really worked hard to build his team up around difficult conversations so that his leadership team was prepared to have them because but far too often what happens, Holly, is, and, and this is in vet medicine, I'm sure it's in other professions, but Billy Jean will show up late. And instead of the leadership team or even the other team members going to Billy Jean and saying, hey, they start a wildfire by going to everybody else, like, hey, did you know that she was late? She must not care at all. Da, 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 da. When really, like, for the most part, yeah. we're all doing the best we can. And I'm sure there was some reason that kept her from being there on time. And the best way to handle it is to make your team empowered to hold their team and their peers accountable, right? And that mm -hmm. comes along with being able to be comfortable having difficult conversations, being able to go up and say, hey, like when you're late, it really hurts us. Is there anything that we can do to help you get here on time? You know, can we, maybe we'll learn Holly's good morning song and we'll call you. <laughs> First thing in the morning and, and and help, like, is there something we can do? And he trains his staff on how to, on how to show up in this kind of way. And it is, it could save so much time and so much grief. If that is something that you teach your team and you really focus on the accountability portion of it. And I think it's way, it's just not as present. It needs to be in veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm going to tell you our story because I know you love difficult conversations because <laughs> We've had a difficult conversation and, and you taught me a lot about how it played out and how the value behind it. Right. And so I'm going to give this example and I'll tell this story. So for anybody listening, if you're in my inner circle, if you are a part of my texting world, please know that I'm a terrible <laughs> texter. 
I'm a terrible texter. It doesn't mean that I love you any less. It doesn't mean that I don't care to have a conversation. I'm one of those that answers it in my mind and then realizes four days later that I didn't actually answer it via text. However, I don't ever want it to come off in a way that I do not value you or that I do not appreciate what we have. And to Holly, that is how it came off to her. And she said, she pulled me aside and she said, hey, listen, I want to have a conversation about this because it's important to me. And she said, when you don't text me back, it makes me feel like that I am not important enough or that I am not somebody who you want consistently in your life. And that is the vibe I get whenever I send you a message and you do not text me back. That is the story that I'm telling myself. And it, one, two things happened. One, my ego immediately went up and I started getting bristly and defensive. And I had to just stop before I answer because I try and do that in any situation where I feel myself getting bristly. I just want to stop and receive it. And my first thought was, I am just so sorry that I ever made you feel that way. And it was never that intention. And how grateful I was that you were willing to have that difficult conversation with me. Because if I would have lost your friendship over not sending a text back, that would have broke my heart. And so for you to have that willingness of having that conversation, that was a massive thing for me. Yeah. Um, I value our friendship. I love our discussions. Um, I love the friendship that we have, the awareness and the things you tell me and share with me and challenge me. Um, so I thought it was important um, just to have that difficult conversation. Again, I don't love difficult conversations. I just feel it it creates an open space where you're building trust. So I really do think we've built some trust off that conversation. And if I share my feelings, it's not out of malice. There's nothing negative behind it. It's just really, hey, um, this is how I feel when I don't get a text message. Um, you had said something about your ego coming, getting all hyped up and bristly, I think you had said. And there's a, um, and I think the amigo, or excuse me, the ego thing also plays an important role here also. Um, I read a book a while back and the quote within it, and I forget which book it was. Um, I'll have to Google it for your audience here, but um, it had said, your ego is not your amigo. And that lives with me. Your ego is not your amigo. And I love that saying because there are things that go through your head. So if I'm not hearing from you and I, you know, you didn't respond to that text, my ego in my head is telling me, oh, she just doesn't want to be friends with you. Um, and that's not what happened at all. We actually get along really well and we have great discussion. And then we were able to do this podcast and look at where we are now. And I think our friendship has flourished because of that conversation. And it's built all this trust that I, I really trust you. And I trust that I can have an honest conversation with you. I completely agree. I could not agree with you more. And I, and I also agree that your ego is not your amigo. You know, I believe that there's a, <laughs> there's a portion of a, of a need for ego when it comes to self-esteem and when it comes to showing up in this outside world, because there's so often things are competitive and, and, and the way that you're viewed and all of that. And so I do believe that there's a certain amount of ego that is so valuable in that aspect. It's keeping yourself accountable to circle back to accountability. It's really holding yourself accountable for your own actions and your own thoughts and your own decisions. Mm. It's not only just for the team, it's for me keeping myself accountable and my thoughts accountable and friendships, right? 
Yep. So then that kind of leads into the fourth one, which is forgiveness. Oh, well, I guess the eighth one, but the, the eighth fourth one, one yeah. for this episode, which is forgiveness. Yeah. Um, because I, I, you know what, like we have to, like, this is a perfect situation. Like I, mm-hmm. I asked for your forgiveness on that because I didn't want to come off that way, but, and, and I'm going to get your opinion on this in just a second, because I would love to know the servant leadership, like what is the definition around forgiveness in general? But for me, Ollie, in this example, where we're talking about this texting, like I am such an empath and I care so deeply about the feelings and the way that I come off to the people that I love that I would have, I would have spent hours beating myself up over this but this is a situation where I had to say this was a clear misunderstanding. We've had our conversation and I have to set myself free from this or else I will overthink it and turn mm-hmm. it into something that it is not. And, and that is a situation where I believe forgiveness comes in. And I'm curious when we talk about forgiveness, what, like, what does that look like in a work setting or what is the actual definition that goes along with it? Yeah. Yeah, so for forgiveness, for servant leadership, forgiveness is the ability to understand the feelings of others and be able to let go of perceived wrongdoings to prevent carrying a grudge into other situations. Mm-hmm. How that looks in my job or in a business setting, um, leadership requires a great deal of compassion, right? Um, I like to understand the person's, whenever something happens, whether it's a argument, whether it's you know, just failing on purpose or something of that such. I like to try to understand the person's intention and really have that difficult conversation and have a heart to heart with the team member about whatever's going on or whatever situation we've come up with. Um, Really going back to that difficult conversation. Within a business setting, there's always going to be mistakes. There's always going to be failures. There's always going to be behavioral issues. Um, But bottom line, it's important to remember that we're all human. So we tend to forget that we're human in a business setting and we're just going day to day and trying to meet our goals and our objectives and deliverables and work, 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 right? Um, We forget that we're human. And so I think it's for forgiveness. It's so important to just stop and remember that we're all human and there's really not a lot of malice. There's not a lot of malice in there when it comes to the business world and well, in my world, um, it's just maybe it was an accident or maybe I misunderstood. It's not that somebody's going out there and purposely trying to do something bad. And that's what I try to go back to and remember that and settle ground myself is really important in being compassionate with my team. Um, Forgiveness, when we go back to forgiveness, it really fosters a workplace environment where there's no judgment. So it encourages that forgiveness of no judgment you know, if you did an accident, it's fine. If you mess something up, no big deal. Um, but when they do happen, knowing that I will be there for them, I will forgive whatever happened, whatever failure, water under the bridge. Let's, how do we move forward? How do we um, fix it? How do we move on? Um, and ultimately, forgiveness, it really does create more trust. So, now that we're at the eighth one, I think you can kind of see how a trust is being built through all of these different characteristics. Um, it creates trust. 
it increases productivity and it encourages a more engaged team whenever they trust you. So I think forgiveness overall is very important. Mistakes happen, things happen, but a servant leader will forgive and move on. Mm-hmm. See, and then I'm going to bring this into the vet med world too, because you're right. Forgiveness is such an important thing. It's easy for me to forgive a teammate in a heartbeat because I truly believe we're all doing our best. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that mistakes go along with that. I think where we as vet professionals struggle a little bit is it's hard for us to have that compassion and forgiveness for our clients because it's not all the time, but when they show up in a way where they don't necessarily understand everything that's going on, their emotions get high. They're mm-hmm. talking about their loved ones. These pets are their life. And if something is happening with them where they're not understanding all of this medical lingo or they can't afford all of these things, their emotions get high. And sometimes they can come off in a way that is, it's unacceptable, but they're not meaning it. Like they're just doing the best with the tools that they've been given. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to intertwine forgiveness with that. But ultimately, Holly, where I have to focus on this for my servant leadership my number one fallback being an Enneagram two is shame. Like that's my immediate place to fall back is shame. Mm -hmm. And so for me, if something happens and I didn't lead my team well enough or something happens with a teammate or something happens with a pet or whatever that may be, I can sit in shame and, and spiral in that area for a long time. And that doesn't do anybody any service, especially myself. And so where I have to really focus on my growth with my servant leadership under forgiveness is forgiveness for myself of knowing that I am also doing my best and that I also am going to practice the humility of, if I don't know the best way to do it, then I'm going to reach out to the people that, that do and, and being able to have the courage to, to say those things and, and, and bring in even the ability to give myself the empowerment to know that, that, that I can figure out a better way of doing it next time, that I'm going to learn a lesson from this and to set it free because I don't want to sit in that area for too long. So that's where my growth has to be with this specific um, characteristic within servant leadership. So yeah, self-awareness. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, sometimes I'd like focus a little too much on self-awareness, but is that even a thing? Um, yes. So self-awareness, it takes us into other theories, um, which have a lot of self-awareness as those characteristics. Um, servant leadership doesn't necessarily have it written in there as one of the characteristics being self-aware, such as authentic leadership um, has self-awareness in it, but servant leadership doesn't. However, I think it's ingrained in all these characteristics that in order to grow into this servant leader and to grow into a stronger one, you really have to look inwards and understand how you forgive people, how you forgive yourself, how you, um, the risks that you take, the courage that you hold, um, and all the other six of them. Mm. So it sounds to me like there's potential for more conversation in the future because <laughs> it was brought up even more, even more topics that I would love to dive into. So we'll have to circle back around to that, but I will definitely bring this full circle and say that with all of these attributes, it definitely allows us to have more awareness about how we show up every day in our Mm -hmm. own leadership styles. And that's the first step, you know, ultimately knowledge is power and 
Holly, you have helped tremendously with that today. And so I do, by no means am I going to end this episode without showing my deep gratitude, not only for our friendship, for our conversations that we have, but your willingness to come on here and give this knowledge that you have to so many that can really use it and utilize it in a way that's going to serve veterinary medicine. And and for me, that just means so much. and, And I'm just so very grateful for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've had a blast. I love nerding out about servant leadership and all leadership topics. So thank you. It's been an honor. Oh, thank you. Okay, deal. So we'll see you again for a different subject. For at least a couple more theories. (laughs) That's a deal. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time.